Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a little bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find all the best Texas coverage at burntorangenation.com. That would really mean a lot to us here at Longhorn Republic if you would leave us a rating or review on iTunes, share this with a friend, share it with a coworker, share it with somebody you know likes Texas Longhorns, and it would also mean a lot if you would subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, wherever you find today's podcast. Now I'm joined this week by my good friend, a man who they told him to take off his jacket, but he said, man's not hot, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, apparently adequately warmed. Um, I uh, I wasn't sure if you are going rapper or Jack Nagar right there, but a uh, <laughs> little cross-reference to our Game of Thrones podcast, Two Woke Nerds. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm doing well, man. Uh, busy week, but uh, hopefully Longhorn football is working as hard as I am getting ready for that TCU game. It seems like it. After after Baylor, they, they feel like they're moving in the right direction. So we're going to talk a lot of Baylor today, and then we'll look forward to yet another big test coming up at TCU. So, Kyle, we got the W. Everybody was worried going into this game. Baylor is sneaky good. They're going to find a way to win. And Texas came out and, and handled business in a way I haven't seen them handle it in several seasons. They came out with a 38-7 to win over the Baylor Bears. So, Kyle, what what went right? What looked good in this win over the Bears? You want sunshine first? Is that what I'm hearing? Let's start sunshine, yeah. Okay, yeah, I can do sunshine first. So, uh, the defense. The defense looked right. Um, the The... Todd Orlando Appreciation Podcast that this is becoming. Uh, we'll get another another showing today. I, I think it was genius when he switched to that two robber dime package um, against Oklahoma State and limited the number one uh, offense in the country to what we saw then. And then uh, Kevin going this week um, saw some switches with where Bonnie's getting to really be a regular rotator player. He was uh, in that that deep middle of the field robber and switch with Elliot who he got the pick six um so just some nice looks um you know this was not the best offense they've played all year but Baylor is not a terrible offense we'll, we'll talk about their defense at some point and they're not particularly good on that side of the ball but their offense is okay you know and in Texas absolutely shut them down um I mean I I mean 
you put in the show notes the 31 net rushing yards on 37 attempts. I didn't realize it was that bad. I, I got to see this game in person, and it looked like every time they handed the ball off that there was at least one guy hitting a, a running back in a backfield, uh, Malik getting down downhill, um, Johnson looking looking exactly like he needs to. Uh, it was just it was just great. Um, we can spend 45 minutes talking about the defense, and I, I would absolutely love. But what do you uh, what do you think? What was your favorite thing that we saw in that Texas defense? Well, they they were playing fast and they're playing downhill, and you know that may be a product of them playing against the Baylor Bears, but they looked like the like a vastly more athletic team. They played as well as they have all year, and so I think we have the ability to see how good they really can be. I mean, Holton Hill again was dominant. He shut down a guy who shredded the conference the last four games. Malik again looked like the most talented player on the team, and you know Tom Herman talked about it Monday in his presser, like. When the best player on your defense is playing that well, everybody else feeds off of it, and so they were they just played really well. Uh, and when you know Baylor played a lot behind the change, they had a, a ridiculous stat I found is tw- they had twenty one snaps at a distance greater than ten yards. So they snapped the ball twenty one times at ten yards or longer, and so they were able to pin their ears back and really uh, just just go after the quarterback. They used that lightning package again. You know, Breck didn't get all the sacks that he did a week ago, uh, but he created some pressure in the backfield and opened things up for Roach and for, for Malik to, to bring um, bring the quarterback down. So they really were able to uh, to dial in and and make Baylor one-dimensional and, and key off on the pass. Yeah, and they, uh, they run a really interesting package where truly Puna Ford is like the only legitimate defensive lineman. Of course, Hager excels at that position. Roach can put his hand in the dirt. You can get Hughes, who didn't play a ton from what I uh, could gather, but uh, you really had one guy who was a defensive lineman. Uh, and so, again, we say it every week, but Puna Ford was, was good. But Omenahu, when he was in there, um, looked really, really, really good, and that was reassuring. I didn't see him. He had a little dinged up, but I didn't see him on the uh, on the injury uh, report this week. So that's that's good. But he was one of, one of uh, my guys in the first half that I, I loved watching and was getting penetration, wrapping guys up. Um, I mean, this team did what they were really good at. They stopped the run, which they're they're number twelve uh, in the country now in rushing defense, um, and they've played uh, like I think five or four uh, top twenty-five rushers this year. So they've played some good running backs. Uh, they're number number seven in third down defense, and I think uh, four for eighteen on third downs, which is awesome. And then uh, again, showed to be one of, if not the absolute best fourth down defensive team in the country uh they're second right now but have by far had the most uh, successful stops on fourth down of any team in the country um one for five uh baylor you know going for it in the old art briles fashion of never never punt if you don't have to um they What's kept trying <laughs> um and and they couldn't do anything one for five so uh texas defense flexed really hard where it where it was good so yeah you got to be happy with that and and they forced a ton of turn. I mean, they, I say a ton of turnovers. They forced a turnover again, uh, which which is becoming a calling card for this defense. And I think uh, they just play nasty. They play mean, uh, which which is something I don't think we've seen in, in several years. So it's it's good to see. Now it wasn't all good on Saturday, in spite of scoring thirty eight points over the Baylor Bears. There there were some points left out there on the field. It's hard to to be. Um, to find flaws in a 38-point performance, but we're going to go ahead and do it because that's the kind of guys we are. Uh, but the offense looked better, but they still didn't look great. So 
so Kyle, what what did you see that maybe um, would look good on paper, but didn't necessarily uh, doesn't necessarily tell the whole story? Well, um, Baylor playing what we would call quote defense. Um, that you know, if if you just looked at a box score, they are listed as a defense, but what they play is uh, something lesser than um, they. Uh, Texas put up 427 yards, which is great. That's a really good day for a Texas offense team that's uh, been struggling to get get the ball. And, and truly, the the types of field position they were put into, they didn't have that much ground that they could possibly cover. Um, so 427 was a good day. But for Baylor, that was also a great day. Uh, that hugely uh, improved, uh, bigly, I should say, improved their um, defensive yards per game rating up to 504, uh, all the way up to now seventh worst in the country. Uh, but they're still chasing uh, San Jose State, who Texas put 56 up against. So if you want to look at it purely from bad defenses, it's a bit of a regression uh, from that that explosion in week two. Um, you you want to you want to go good? You want to go bad? Where? where where do you want to start here? Because because I can I can vent a little if you'd like. Let's let's keep it good and then we'll we'll dovetail into the bad as we head to, head into TCU. I'm not sure why that feels like the right thing to do. Uh, <laughs> but Bouchelle looked good. You know that was a big question mark for me is when yep. he's come in previously the offense has seemed rather stagnant. So the fact that they're able to move the ball, I think it mm-hmm. helps that. Uh, Baylor really wasn't able to generate much of a pass rush because of the talent differential. Just is what it is at this point. Um, yep. So Bouchelle put balls in the right spots. Uh, yeah, this is going to sound like on the negative side, but in spite of that, the wide receivers were still kind of MIA. There wasn't really anybody uh, that flashed or showed out and being the most talented group on, on the Texas team. It's hard to see that. So um, I, I guess the last thing is those running backs, man. Those freshman running backs came in late and did some work. So what did you see from them? Yeah, that's that's the brightest spot for me. And again, these uh, these guys have have really they've romped against some some poor competition. And that's not to take anything away from them. They've they've done pretty well, especially to Neil Carter's gotten the chance against uh, most teams. But uh, Daniel Young hasn't got a lot since the San Jose uh, State game. But he took advantage. I mean, the combined freshman running backs had 22 carries, just under six yards a clip, 130 yards and two touchdowns. That's a that's a great day you know they they say Herman said in his presser we don't have a lead back but if you combine those uh into a two-headed monster lead back I'll take a 22 carry two touchdown 130 yard lead back day uh any any game of of the year so uh they looked good they looked explosive they looked quick something that we haven't really seen from the run game uh in a while um and just you know had shiftiness when they got a step they took it um it's it's it, it obfuscated a little bit the offensive line issues because um, when Texas didn't outthink itself and just lined up and ran the inside zone or uh, ran the zone read to kind of against their, their D-line twist they were running, uh, they had space. They could get downhill and they could make things happen. Um, the, the numbers would look even better if we didn't insist on the uh, the wildcat that, that Beck <laughs> loves, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, some of my issues with with the weekly check-in with Tim Beck's play calling, but uh, but yeah, there was there was really good signs from them, and I, I'd like to see TCU. We're going to talk about them as a really good defense, um, and and it looks like Carter might be might not be playing, might be nicked up. So um, Daniel Young looks next in line to get some touches. So I'll be really curious to see what the freshman can do. Absolutely. So 
and you you say 130 yards there. Honestly, uh, should have had probably 150, but they had a they had a 20 25 yard touchdown called back on on a mm-hmm. holding call that I didn't necessarily agree with. Uh, I feel like mm-hmm. they're calling really really uh, touchy holding calls this season. So uh, we'll leave that there. So kind of like you said, it wasn't all good. We hit on the wide receivers being kind of missing in action, not there. You know, Colin Johnson continues to I don't know what he's doing. Um, I don't know the words to describe it other than not really doing much. Um, you know, little Jordan Humphrey looked, looked decent. There was an Armonte Foreman sighting. Like, what's it going to take to get some consistent play out of these receivers? I mean, we have so many options. Uh, I, I, Shane's the better passer. I mean, I, I love Sam. Uh, Ellinger is, is, a, is a gamer as much as I hate that term, but he's a kid who goes out and just uh, makes plays and does, uh, does all kinds of things. But truly, if you just set him back and had him throw 100 balls, Shane is going to be the better passer. Um, and so I was really kind of excited to see what would happen, and he did put the throws there. The only guy I saw really step up was little Jordan Humphrey. Um, Colin Johnson, I... I was in one of the end zone corners of this game and had a pretty good view um, a couple times. He had a couple end zone throws, and it looked like he had a smaller guy, and he just went up and just kind of, you know, got hand-checked a little, didn't really push to get separation, didn't really fight, kind of jumped up, couldn't catch it, and, you know, just kind of slapped the guy in the back on the way back. He didn't have that mean streak, didn't have that want to get it. Honestly, the best play on a ball I saw C.J. make was uh, when they put him in to defend the Hail Mary, and he got up about 13 feet in the air. Um, to get a knock to defend a pass, I'd love to see that on the offensive side of the ball. You know, um, there's not a lot of corners who can handle a, a, a jump ball straight up with with Colin Johnson when he's actually engaged. But I, I don't really know. Maybe we switch it up. We get Bird on the field with his speed and height. We keep uh, Humphrey and Johnson, uh, Duvernay, Hurd. I mean, it, all the same guys, all the same things we've said. I just don't really know what it is. I think we're going to get to this in the preview. I think you're going to have to really live on the the short what they give you, what you can get off before a blitz uh, against the TCU team next week. But uh, but I think if you can just get the guys going early, um, kind of I think Foreman could be, I don't know why I get the feeling, could be back in the fray and could be a, could be a, a game changer if he gets the opportunity because the guy's just such a safety blanket. He's got such great hands. He's dependable. He's been there. Um you know, I don't know why. I just get the feeling. I feel like he's gonna. You heard it here first. He's gonna have a good week. I'd, I'd like to see it. It's hard to see a. Uh, and I said it last week. It's hard to see an offense that's in dire need of a playmaker with a with a playmaker on the sideline. So last thing we'll hit on is is the red zone offense and, and Beck's play calling. Uh, those things. Those two things kind of go hand in hand. Um, yeah. So the Texas had an average starting spot of of their own forty six. So we can go ahead and call that yeah. positive territory. We'll say that uh, pretty much on the yeah. Baylor sideline. They had four drives that they started within the Baylor forty yard line, and they were only able to mill seventeen points out of that. Yeah. So what what happened? Like that was that was nothing short of frustrating on Saturday. Yeah. So what what happened? What's going on? Like, how how do they improve? Because they're going to need every single one of those points against against TCU on uh, on Saturday. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, you know, there was a couple close calls that if they you know a couple plays that if they go the other way, then maybe this looks a whole lot better. Like you said, there was 
uh, a long rushing touchdown called back. I think there was a second uh, Carter touchdown kind of in the red zone called back, uh, if I remember correctly. But uh, either way, I was next to some Baylor fans, and uh, they were you know they were kind of debating whether they should take a penalty and push him back to the six or keep him at the one. And I was like, well, if you're doing the best thing for Baylor, you want to you want to keep him at the one because it's much harder for them to score from there than it is the six where they get a little head of steam. I mean. Uh, a three yard play for them is like a 20 yard play for any other offense. But, uh, the, uh, the little Jordan Humphrey pass that, uh, the receiver couldn't get the, the feet down. If that, uh, if that ends up a touchdown, that's, you know, looks better. Um, so there was a lot of play calls that if they work, you say, Hey, Tim Beck, there you go. But Tim Beck's reliance on the, the stretch blocking with this offensive line and the issues they have, uh, is just baffling to me. I mean, the inside zone was, was working all day. And like I said, those, those numbers, six yards per carry for the freshman would look a lot better if you didn't have uh, perpetual kind of very obvious uh, stretch run uh, zone blocking plays to the outside that were getting blown up. Um, they had some yak because they broke a couple of those tackles, but they also had some zero yard or negative yard runs that we have to get rid of um, against a very, very fast TCU team. But uh, but yeah, the Wildcat, I, I'm hoping, this is my deep hope, that he's been rope-a-doping all of the fans and all of the opposing uh, coordinators up to this point, and he's finally gonna gonna have a misdirection wildcat or a jet sweep off that action or a or a pass or just do something else with it. You've been setting it up this long; uh, it's got to be there. So why not try it? Um, I just think you have to you have to do what you can do and do it well. And we saw that today with an inside or excuse me, not today, but this weekend with the inside zone. So I hope we come and we try that against TCU because if it ain't broke, don't break it. Yeah, and and these line these linebackers, not linebackers. Yeah, and these running backs, uh you mentioned it, but they there's a thing that they do that I haven't really seen all year, which is get hit and stay up. <laughs> um, you know, whether it's Kyle Porter, whether it's Chris Warren, um, their ability to to not go down initially is is huge. And so I think that that makes a big difference. Yards after contact is is a huge differentiator, especially when your offensive line is struggling. And and you know Tom Herman said it again in the Monday press conference. You know when when the offensive line pushes for three and you can pick up three, that's a great play. When yeah. the offensive line pushes for zero and you can pick up three, that's also a great play. And so that's right. that's what these young guys bring to the table. And you know I mentioned the offensive line. Uh, let's talk about that briefly, and then we'll move on to to TCU. But um, you know, the offensive line is, is is still looking a bit inconsistent. You know, Connor Williams is in cleats this week, so he's uh, he hopefully will be back. And they say probably not this week, but next week they're looking looking better uh, for sure by I guess the second to last week of the season, which would mm-hmm. still be nice as we go into uh, West Virginia. That that terrifies me. Having Connor Williams would feel great. So what 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 does that add to to what this offense can bring to the table? Well, I think if it adds uh, one more second on a on a drop back, or like you said, one one more uh, step that a running back gets towards the line, I think that opens up this offense. I think that is a huge piece. I think uh, beyond Connor, getting Shaq back will will be big. Um, he was he was out along with Ellinger in, in concussion protocol uh, this week, so getting him back. Any any piece that you can add to this line, I you know I, I want to praise at least the fact that he didn't crumble completely. But in the first half, uh, Terrell Cooney was just awful. He was getting. He was getting uh, hoodwinked by you know guys who who have been getting 
pancaked for seven straight games. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm sure it felt good for them. And, and admittedly, came in the second half and did did a little better. But just getting getting him out of there and replacing with Shackelford is going to be better. Uh, but, yeah, I think having Connor Williams and just the, the grit and toughness that that gives that line and the confidence that it gives the guys back again, um, I think can go a long way uh, into finishing out and getting into bowl territory. Yeah, and like Herman said about Malik on – on defense, when Connor Williams there, he's your best player. And if your best player is playing well, then the rest of the guys are going to elevate to meet him. And so I think as as probably the lone draft pick as it stands right now on this offense, him coming back and really being the leader and being that stalwart for the defense or for the offense is is, is vital to, to them really picking up the wins that, that they need to in the, in the stretch run. So as we talk about needing to pick up wins in the stretch run, here comes TCU, who is nothing short of terrifying as I sit here and talk on a, on a Monday night. Uh, they're coming off of a, of a shocking upset to an up-and-coming Iowa State. You know, 14-7, lost to Iowa State. Kenny Hill threw a couple of interceptions and, you know, ended drives. Kyle, Texas beat Iowa State. Iowa State beat TCU, so... So I should I should feel confident this Saturday. Is that is that what that is that what that math does for you? I believe so. I, I was not a a math major, but I believe the transitive property of a seventeen seven win on the road against Iowa State and a TCU fourteen seven loss uh, gives us something like a twenty point victory guaranteed. But uh, <laughs> but aside from my very poor and shoddy math. Um, uh, you can you can tweet me uh, at uh, GH Goodrich. Um, uh, aside from that math, uh, they they did a couple things, and I hopefully that's a template. I, I think TCU um, has played a couple tough teams, but uh, this was a, a test for them, and, and I think this Texas defense will be probably the biggest test that the the TCU offense has faced this year. The Iowa State defense is good, but I certainly think. The Texas uh, defense is better, um, but that that Iowa State defense really got pressure on Kenny Hill and, and forced uh, forced. There's there's two sides to the coin of Kenny Hill. There's Kenny Trill or there's Benny Hill. Um, uh, <laughs> that was bad, but we'll we'll let it ride. <laughs> uh, that wasn't even the show notes. That just came to me, but um, but yeah, I, and he threw two of his five interceptions this year. Uh, if you can take away that passing game and, and make him and also ran, then then the TCU team looks average. And they aren't going to be the best defense or the best offense, excuse me, that we, we – they will be the best defense, but the best offense that we've played this year, um, the Oklahoma defense that Oklahoma State offense, excuse me, um, are definitely much better. And you saw what the Texas defense could do to them. They – they have a template that they apply to big games, and it's the same one Tom Herman did to go 6-0 and that got him the Texas job. It's just they haven't been able to execute it right to its fullest to get that win. But I think you're going to see the same thing. They're going to come in. They're going to shut down the running game. They're going to make uh, you make plays. They're going to play a field position battle with the best punter in the country, um, and they're going to try to just suffocate you and then squeeze out um, you know, 17 points. I would be very surprised if this uh, if this score is a whole lot different than the uh, the World Series Go Astros uh, score. You know, something like a uh, something like a 14 to 13 or a 17 to to 15 game. You know, this uh, this could be interesting. So, what do you think? What are you thinking for uh, for this game? What are you looking for? I think this is the best defense Texas is going to play all year, hands down. Yes. This this. Yeah. It, it is a it is a toss up between who is the better defense 
between Texas and TCU, which is something that feels good to say finally. Uh, you know, TCU is, is the third-ranked rushing defense in the nation. They're giving up 77.3 rushing yards per game. That is ridiculous. They're only giving up 286.8 total yards on the year. It's good enough for, for 10 in the country. So they're facing off against an offense that's, that's truly struggling. You know, we, we, we've seen them win by narrow margins, not putting up many points. I mean, they, they put up points against Baylor, but that's not really it. Granted, um, you know, they've been able to, to move the ball a little bit against, again, OU and OSU, but they, they don't have the defense that TCU has. So I think TCU did a little bit of suffering against, um, you know, Alan Lazard, who kind of gave you a template of what to do against this TCU defense with some undersized cornerbacks, is abuse your big receivers. And if there's one thing that the Texas offense has – it's big receivers. So they've got obviously the, the aforementioned Colin Johnson, who I've fallen off on just a little bit recently. I was a huge fan earlier. Um, but I mean, Lil Jordan is big. Um, you know, all, all Texas has a, a, a embarrassment of Richards almost in, in big receivers. So that could be a huge difference maker. Uh, offensively, Texas, uh, Texas Christian is on the good side of average. I say the good side of average there in the top 50 in essentially every offensive category. Um, you know, they're 33rd in total offense yeah, to be solid top 40. in most of them, everybody wants to be in the top 40, right? Uh, you know, the, their pat Kenny Hill up until this game was, was one of the better, uh, more efficient passers in the country. So, um, Kyle, we, we really want to see, uh, Texas come out and, and try to string together some offense. I think Bouchelle, if they can, if they can create a pocket for Bouchelle and he can put the ball in the right spots to his big receivers, uh, that would be a big thing for Texas. So if we had to put our finger, Kyle, on one differentiating factor for Saturday, what would you say that that is for Texas go, you know, to come out with a win and, and, get one step closer to, to bowl eligibility. I've said it before, but Hey, if you can help your offense out when they're struggling, I think that would be great. We saw it with, with Baylor. You basically threw a zero on the board. If you count the, uh, the seven points that the defense scored. So if, uh, our defense can score points or our, maybe our kickers can put points on the board when called Shocking. upon. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a rare thought. The years of Justin Tucker seem so, so far away, but, uh, but yeah, uh, one special play with a defense that is going to continue to not break. They will bend and bend, but they will they will not break. So it's one special play. One of those freak game-changing athlete-wide receivers um, getting open. TCU has a ton of speed, a ton of speed on both sides of the ball. But their skill position players are a little bit undersized, and Texas has some freaks. I mean, they have tons of guys over 6'3", uh, which is just a stupid thing to have and not use. So one Colin Johnson, you know, crazy play, one John Burt streak, one Gerard Hurd, you know, seam down the middle, one DuVernay double route, um, you know, just, just something, a, a jet sweep double pass to LJH, you know, like just something, something crazy happening, um, and that could be enough. Um, one defensive score. Texas is leading, leading the country with five uh defensive touchdown so I mean one more would be great um, but something I think there's going to have to be a oh my gosh did you see that play that's going to be the difference and if there isn't then sadly it's going to be the same template I, I worry where the defense throws just an unbelievable one hitter you know goes out there and can't get any runs on the board and uh, it gets gets the L which which isn't fair to them um, our running backs will be curious there's four co-starters this week listed uh, do you have an opinion on who you think gives us the better chance at, at QB who 
who ultimately co- comes out and and can win the game because it sounds like uh, Ellinger is is going to play, but I, I don't know if you have any insight into who's going to start. They they said in the presser today that they're they're not going to name one publicly at all. Like they said, we'll know internally by Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Um, but as far as public, man, I, I have no clue. This this has been one of the most intriguing pieces about this team all year is who the heck is going to play quarterback because mm-hmm. I mean, they, they both look good. Bouchelle looked better than he has all year on – on Saturday, and it may it may yep. be a combination of him being healthy and and you know obviously we said it already the talent differential on Baylor. So you know Bouchelle, if Bouchelle looks like that against TCU, I feel a lot better about that game. Sure. You know I think um, I would if if I'm coaching it, I would go Bouchelle with a short leash. Mm, okay. You never you never want to hook a quarterback. You never want to kill their confidence like that. But I think Bouchelle at this point gives you the best chance to win. Uh, if if the passing game has to be. Uh, your way of getting it done, and, and it really is. You know that's that's probably the weakest spot of the TCU defense. So if your if your pass game is how you get it done, Shane throws a better ball. He puts his mm-hmm. his receivers in better positions to catch the ball. You know I think if he's in against OU and he can hit that inside shoulder rather than the outside shoulder, we're looking yep. at a win there. So yep. so I think Bouchelle quarterback can give you the best decision. Now if TCU's pass rush gets going and this offensive yep. line gets overrun. Uh, he's not. He's going to be flat on his back a lot, and, and then that's where Ellinger's wheels come in. Absolutely, and I think they are going to be fast, and they're going to be attacking, and so that's where I think it's going to rely on our play calling and getting some of those short routes um, and, and taking what they give you, little slants, um, little run pass options where you have a running back quarterback or a pass um, all at the point of attack. You can get something, make them think about bringing the blitz, whatever it is. I just hope the play calling, uh, if we can picture that, I imagine that, that Tim Beck can. But uh, there was a really interesting tweet, and it it, uh, it made me literally Alonzo Morning gif, the, uh, the the thoughtful, you know, oh, okay. Um Bitter White Guy, who's a, is a writer for Barking Carnival and, and does a great job with college basketball, but also with, with college football, um, he uh, he said, is there a point where we consider that uh, Ellinger is better in Herman's system, but Shane might be better for the plays Beck actually calls? And I was like, huh, you know, that's it's it's a power struggle, right? We keep saying Herman's system, Herman's system, but this is a Tim Beck called offense you know this is this is his play so uh, it'll be very curious with the line and with uh tc's defense who ends up getting the majority and who ends up being the playmaker uh that texas needs but uh, i do want to give bouchelle credit because we always say uh he's the arm and and ellinger is the wheels uh but he definitely forced gumped his way uh <laughs> into that touchdown and uh and i loved it you know he's I, I felt like it was just him saying oh i can't run i'm gonna keep running um, so, so good for him on that, man. I, uh, I love seeing it. That's, that's fantastic. So Kyle, we are reaching the end of our time today. So really quickly in honor of one of our favorite traditions, let's go ahead and bang the drum. What do you have to bang the drum on this week? Yeah. Um, so the big one I was looking at is, is non-offensive points, um, or, you know, non, non-offensive touchdowns, um, that directly, led to points. So I was looking back and doing some research and in Mac Brown teams from 99 to 2013, the Texas uh, defense and special teams scored 87 touchdowns, which is a really, really good number. Um, 6.2 per season that comes out to, uh, which is great. Charlie strong in his three years scored five non-offensive touchdowns that comes out to 1.6 per with zero of those coming in 2016. When they hired Tom Herman, he made it a point. He made this a point of priority. 
Uh, he averaged six each year as a head coach at U of H, um, including leading the nation just straight up in takeaways uh, in 2015 with 35 and a plus 21 margin, which is awesome. Um, but so far, we are at uh, six this year. Um, so, you know, we have four games for him to better that and to better, you know, max uh, average and, and some of his best years. So this truly could be if we can get one or two more uh, touchdowns, uh, one of the one of the uh, best non-offensive helping the offense in a year when we really need it performances we've seen from a Texas team. And uh, I'm just going to give you a bang the drum and a half. I'll call this fire in the cannon because uh, got to rep the Texas Cowboys. Um, so my, my little half nugget on top of that is uh, I was thinking to what about the other special teams. And obviously uh, Dixon is, is fantastic and he's, he's probably going to win the great, the Ray guy. He deserves it. I actually legitimately fear that he may go pro early as well <laughs> as the other guys, which is a crazy thing to say for a punter. But, uh, but he's averaging just a, a stupid, um, percentage he's leading the nation in net punting um i think there's something like in 44 punts he's given up you know like 50 return yards it's nuts but um but uh what we actually spoilers for my bang the drum oh man do you have a backup because I'll, I'll let you run right now if you want you want to get in here i'll just jump in <laughs> since, kyle, since kyle kyle ran all over my bang the drum so yeah my bang the drum actually is is the is the punters and it it turns out that when you have two good defenses playing, punting is actually a really big deal, and that's actually uh, Texas's biggest advantage. So you, you talked about it a little bit, but but Dixon is averaging you know forty four point nine five net yards on a punt, which he's flip that is legitimately flipping the field. Forty five yards is absolutely ridiculous on forty four punts. It's it's so crazy. So the, Texas obviously leads the nation in in uh, in net punting yards. TCU is toward the bottom of the nation. Actually. Ah. They only average 35.7 yards per punt. Um, so that could really be a differentiator. As you have two heavyweight defenses going back and forth, you know, uh, you've got to find a way to, to create and generate field position in any way, shape, or form. So if if you know, if he's a battle of three and outs, again, I, I go I go with the Aussie. I go with the guy who still doesn't have a name, according to Tom Herman. <laughs> um, I think Dick, Dixon is, and, and it feels really dumb to be hyping up the punter, but when he is the most consistent player on your team, when when you know that he, I think he's had what really one bad punt in all of it. Like I remember one shank. That's all I can think of, and that was, I, I, it was just one of those odd things that happens. But you know, in in forty four punts this year, he's had one that I would consider a a bad punt. Mm-hmm. So I really think that Dixon is going to be a difference maker because this is going to be, this is going to look like uh, the one of the good SEC games. You know, you have the the boring, <laughs> terrible SEC games, and you have yeah, the good yeah. SEC games. I feel like this is going to be one of those good SEC games where it's two heavyweight defenses just throwing haymakers, and it, it, it's just going to be a. I think it's going to be a really fun defensive game to watch, and the punters are going to end up being a big time differentiator there. I like that good SEC. Uh, we'll see. There's a lot of SEC speed on SEC speed on the field so it could be a good one i'm looking forward to that well that's all the time we have for this week so kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet as always i'm uh, on twitter at kyle carpenter just be warned it is uh major league baseball world series time so there'll be some astros tweets in there um hopefully you're all rooting for the astros but uh, you can find me there and then the weekly texas pregamer at barking carnival uh, you can check that out as well
It's that wonderful time of year where you get football, baseball, and basketball, and hockey if you're a weird person. So you get all the best sports all right in the same day, like in the same day a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. You can find the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Send us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can, again, like or share this show with one of your friends. You can uh, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And until next time, guys, hook them. Hook them. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.